Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we take a two-week break from the book of Acts. This week, our message celebrates the birth of Christ found in the Gospels of Matthew, Luke, and John. Please follow along with Pastor Jim as he delivers today's portion of this week's message entitled, Glory to God in the Highest. All of us at Heritage Bible Radio and Heritage Bible Church wish you all a joyful, Christ-centered Christmas. It was during the betrothal year that Jesus was conceived miraculously by the Holy Spirit. Joseph immediately took her into his household. He, despite the questions and the shame that they surely would have received from all who couldn't possibly understand. I mean, can you imagine the conversations? Joseph, Mary is pregnant? Really? How'd that happen? Well, um, God did it right, Joseph. Can you imagine the gossip around the little village of Nazareth? But he took her in, and he kept her a virgin until after Jesus was born. So engaged or betrothed, that's still the proper word to describe that relationship. The gossip tongues surely were flying, and then Joseph and Mary conveniently leave town, and they don't see him for several years till after the baby is born and the little diversion down to Egypt, and then they, and then they came back. And those things followed them, I'm sure, through their lives in Nazareth. Verse 6, while they were there, that is in Bethlehem, the days were completed for her to give birth. That means that the natural course of the pregnancy wound up coinciding with God's perfectly chosen time for the birth of His Son. If you've uh, been with Scott Basolo in the study of Daniel on Wednesday nights, you understand the spectacular significance of Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. When the fullness of time came, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman. It was exactly the predicted time. God and only God knows the end from the beginning and reveals it to us sometimes in advance when it is for our good. Then verse 7, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, firstborn is a very important word in light of some of the things that have been made up about Mary, some of the mythological traditions and superstitions. Jesus was God's only begotten son, but Jesus was Mary's firstborn. There were others. The Bible mentions at least six children born to Mary and Joseph after Jesus by natural means. Uh, there are 
four boys named for brothers of Jesus or half-brothers technically. And it says, and his sisters were there also. So plural, at least two. So we say at least six more uh, children. They were a homeschooling family. They had as many as they wanted. That was a, that was a cultural anachronism, and it was a snark, okay? God bless those who fill the earth and multiply. But the idea of the perpetual virginity of Mary, it's made up. It's a lie. It is absolutely 180 degrees opposite to what the Bible says. If you believe the Bible, you cannot believe that that's true. It goes right along with the concept of her immaculate conception, that she was sinless. No, she wasn't. When Gabriel came and told her what was going to happen, among the things that she said, I re- that my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. The idea that Mary is a co-redemptrix who plays a role in our redemption I'm sorry, that's part of Christmas, but it's not true. This is a glorious thing, but let's not add to it. She takes this precious baby, wraps him in cloths. Now, the King James translators took the liberty to call them swaddling clothes. It just literally means bands of cloth, long strips of cloth. They were often used medically, and it refers to um, um, a system of skillfully um, wrapping up the baby to make sure he or she is safe and secure and warm and comfortable and kept calm. You can go on YouTube and find videos for how to swaddle a baby. And um, you may not remember it, but you may have been swaddled. You never, you never know. Not recently, but <laughs> took the baby, laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. A manger. What do they mean by that? Well, it's a feeding trough. It was the right shape, so it could be used something like a crib. Now, listen, I know we sang the song today. We're not going to execute church discipline on Christian for making us say this, but understand, a little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes, that's made up. That's not true. Crying for a baby, I mean, you know when a cry is a manifestation of sin. For a newborn, that's not sinful. That's like the gas gauge. It either tells you something is full and needs to be emptied or something is empty and needs to be filled. That's how they communicate. He made any noise. He might have said, dear sweet mother Mary, I need a change. But I don't think that that's how it went. There was no room for them at the inn. Well, if you've traveled 80 miles, uh, you need a place to stay. Well, that would be the logical place. But Bethlehem was a small town. It was likely filled with other people traveling for the census, maybe even government officials as well, uh, traveling as Joseph and Mary were for whatever reasons. But you can disabuse yourself of the notion that Joseph and Mary were destitute or homeless uh, quite, the, quite the opposite. Joseph was a righteous and responsible Jewish man, devout man, who in the betrothal period he would have been saving up from his carpentry business to be ready for the marriage. They fully intended to pay their own way and to stay at 
the inn. I once got a letter from the president of a school that I once attended. It was a Christmas fundraising letter and said, isn't it amazing how God used a, um, a, a homeless, unwed mother? Wait a minute. Joseph took her into his home. She wasn't homeless and she wasn't destitute. This was arranged by God. Well, it is assumed because of the reference to the manger, which is a feeding trough, that this uh, took place in some place where animals were kept. That's not too big of a stretch. A manger is just a long uh, open box or trough for animals to, uh, to feed from. And in a pinch, it certainly could double as a cradle. I've known of people, you know, being in a motel in the olden days before all these fancy, you know, car seats and everything, open a drawer halfway, put the baby in, and, you know, they don't fall out, um, you hope. Um, it, was just, it was just a makeshift thing because there was no room in the inn. Our cute manger scenes with animals all around focusing on Jesus, they're cute, but that's mythology. That's all made up. Now, there is one on my front lawn. I, I, I confess to that. It's a great way to visually think of the fact that the King of kings and Lord of lords humbled himself and came as a baby laid in a manger. The amount of speculation that has taken place around these few words here is absolutely astounding. No, we don't know what the innkeeper said. We don't know if any animals were present when Jesus was born. There is one rather popular theory among some of the commentators that it may have been that they were in a cave that was like an ancillary part of the inn. It was used for sheltering and containing the animals of the travelers who came to the inn, kind of like the RV parking for those who are uh, staying at the inn. That theory began with a man named Justin Martyr, who was in the first century, 165 to, or 114 to 165 AD. Um, we don't know about that. You can uh, be shown that place uh, around Bethlehem. And, and frankly, when I'm, when I'm in Israel... I really like the fields outside of Bethlehem. There's nothing there. Little house here, little shack there. Maybe you see some, some sheep, some shepherds, some goats uh, uh, grazing in that. I can picture being in that place with it pitch dark and the glory of God lights the place up. You go into Bethlehem and you want to see where Jesus was born and somebody built a big gaudy church over it and it, you can't recognize it from that. But we don't know exactly the place. This word, I, this week I, I heard somebody repeat the alleged application. What does Luke 2, 7 mean? And the application was, this Christmas, be sure you make room for Jesus. Now, I get the sentiment, okay, don't ignore Jesus. But the theology behind that is abominable. Make room for Jesus implies move some things around in your life so that you can make space for Him to occupy. You know, you move some furniture in your living room to make room for the Christmas tree, so move some stuff in your life to make a little room for Jesus. 
If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.